For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another College Charts podcast. College Charts podcast. I'm so tired. I can't That's staying in. It's not coming out. That's staying in. I can't. I, it's so tired at the end of this arduous, long, meandering season that that should be the opening to this podcast. Uh, we've made it to the end of the college uh, football season. Well, barely by the sounds of that introduction. Uh, last night, this morning, uh, Alabama Crimson Tide faced the Ohio State Buckeyes at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, signalling the end of the 2020-21 uh, football season. Uh, so in this pod, we're going to talk about that national championship game and what our season has looked like. Uh, but first with the chaps, I'm George, and by now you should know that every week I'm joined by Ollie and Alex. Um, chaps, we started uh, way back in March talking about the college football roller coaster. Uh, it's finally pulled back into the station. Uh, what a wild ride it's been. I'm exhausted. How are you both feeling? I, before we get into how exhausted I am this evening, I would just like to start this podcast by congratulating Alex Chinnery on what was a phenomenal, um, enthusiastic, passionate and positive approach to the 2020 college football season that was um, completely belied my own take on what this 2020 college football season would look like. I have been negative I've been questioning uh, but Alex Chinnery throughout was a shining beacon of light in a ray of darkness that has emanated from Matlock and um, I'd just like to um, hope and ensure that this extraordinary introduction to Alex um, saves us from clip after clip after clip of him saying how this would happen and would occur as he promised last week when we had Matt Miller on the show Um, really looking forward to getting into last night's games with you boys and um, I don't know whether it's exhaustion creeping in but I am absolutely rambling on I mean there's absolutely no way I would have actually had the energy to go back and pull all those clips together (laughs) knowing how lazy I am but yeah I just I love the fact that everyone was able to get this season on it's been an absolute joy um to to follow it to comment on it to analyze this last season luckily enough we're we're moving into draft season so that my obsession with football has, has become an unhealthy obsession during lockdown during not having to go out and do things and see people that can continue at least until the NFL draft comes in April and then I'll just have to prepare for next season which after last night I will be doing with a huge sense of optimism 
And as I'm sure we will come on to a little bit later on, I don't want to take all the thunder away, though, from our SEC czar himself, George Somerville. George, how are you feeling after that game last night? Well, I still got my shirt on. Um, I'm not sure the shirt's coming off, to be perfectly honest. I, um, I, I do hope, well, so there's two things um, uh, which link into the same part. Um, I do hope that uh, we've had such an incredible year this year. It's been it's been amazing to, to look back at what we've done. But I do hope at some point in the future that, that this becomes, or the video um, makes its way out onto, onto YouTube or something. Because when Ollie was talking up Alex, that the, the corso wave that we were getting from Alex to, to symbolise the fact that he knew exactly Exactly what he was talking about, uh, but yes, I am. Um, I'm still sporting my my, my jersey from uh, from last night, uh, and yeah, it's been been a phenomenal season to to, to follow the Crimson Tide. Uh, you know, we, when you when we spoke to Greg McElroy a couple of couple of months ago, he talked about being part of that 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 team which uh, was undefeated uh, in in the season, and how much of a how much of an achievement that was. Now. Not to take it away from that team because that was an extraordinary team, but um, to to have a situation where um, that team last night performed to such a high uh, a high quality of play throughout the season, uh, an SEC schedule season, which um, I know some some debate as to how strong that was, but uh, and then to, to to pull away from the Buckeyes last night. So yes, thank you. Um, I uh, I'm feeling on, on top of the world um, as I'm sure. Uh, Nick, Nick Saban is, but but you're right. We're going to talk about going to talk about the coaches in, in, in a little bit. Let's let's talk about the game itself. Whoa. I know exactly what Nick Saban's doing now, right now. He's scouting Miami. He's scouting Miami, ready for the for the first game of next year. <laughs> I think I think he did. He, he gave himself you know, when when we interviewed him last night. He, he almost gave himself. Um, you know, a moment of reflection because they, they asked him what it was like, and um, he kind of oh, not not entirely sure. I'm just going to enjoy this one, but you're probably right. He, he probably is um, uh, uh, back to back to work. And, and I can't remember who it was. Who was who told us the story about um, uh, Will Muschamp getting getting absolute pasting the day after the, the, the national championship behind because he was behind on his um, on his uh, recruiting yeah. from Saban. I think it was Chris Marler, wasn't it? When we had Chris Marler on, he was talking mm-hmm. about. Um, most jumps pasting, if you pardon my expression. <laughs> and, and I guess that's what it is. That's what, that's what drives them, them forward, because we're going to go and talk about coaching changes. But they've, they've had such a lot of, much has been made of LSU's um, performance this year. Um, and the defence of that is they, they lost so many players and coaches um, post that, that year. Uh but and I'm not I'm not saying Alabama did this year to, to the same degree as LSU, but next year will be interesting. But but when you've got coaching changes, um it's all about the man in the middle of it and uh, how he drives him forward. But let's let's talk about the game. Uh I'm gonna stop prattling on about how good the Crimson Tide are. Uh, let's start with Ollie. Um what was your takeaway from the game last night? Oh, I'm going to keep on prattling about how good the Crimson Tide are because to be honest, that was the takeaway from last night, wasn't it? Because I think well, for myself, I sat down and wrote a preview of this game, and and I think everyone would universally say that Alabama were favourites to win. I don't think the winner is a, a surprise. I, I think Alabama were clear favourite. They've been incredible all season, um, but I certainly expected a, a closer game. Um, and as, as I mentioned last week when we had Matt Miller on, historically these two have played tight games, and we did not get that last night because Alabama were so good. And 
it was just a, an absolute joyride from the minute that Landon Dickerson walked out to do the, to- uh, the coin toss, even though he he wasn't um, he was suited up, but certainly wasn't anticipated to it for, for him to play any part of that game. But he came out and he stood at centre field with tough ball, and and I, I texted you message you guys and said, look, it's insane that these two guys play football. They play the same sport. You look at the size mismatch, what an imposing character Landon Dixon is, and what a key part of this Alabama season he's been. And he came out and he did the coin toss, and then that game from the minute Alabama's offense came onto the field was just exceptional. They were they were exquisite. There's no other way of putting it. There was There was just so much to enjoy about Alabama's performance last night, right up until the very minute that Landon Dickerson took the final snap of the game, which came on to uh, for a token for him to get his moment in the spotlight as a as a national championship winning player. And I just thought it was just the the whole Alabama performance was incredible. And you sit back through the great moments in sport and. When you're a part of them, I'm a a big motorsport fan as well. And back in the early 2000s, Michael Schumacher was absolutely dominating the sport. And people hated to see it because they wanted to see the competition. They wanted to see close races and tight wins. And there's something about sitting back and enjoying what you will probably get as close to perfection on, on a college football field as Alabama produced last night. I just think... You, you look back and you reflect on those moments as being how lucky you were to be involved in that or around that or see that in whatever capacity that might be. And it was they were just sensational. And, uh, and Ohio State just, they, they weren't up to the task. And, and it's not a, a reflection on them. And we, we talked about um, in the preview show that they there were COVID issues around the programme and we didn't know what form they would take. And obviously they, they took the form of taking their key defensive tackle, Tommy Togi. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, and that obviously had an impact on the game, but I don't I don't think it matters who Ohio State tried out on that field last night because Alabama were that good. And, and you know, I, I didn't expect at the start of the season to be having this conversation after the national championship that, Alabama are a team that that walked away with the entire season because they were that good behind Mac Jones. You know, it's it was just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love this program. I love this Alabama program, and I didn't think I would be able to say that really fully about another college football team. But from the beginning of covering this year. I think this year is the most in-depth that we've gone as a group because we moved over to doing weekly episodes or, you know, pretty close to weekly episodes at the start of the the lockdown. We really started to deep dive into the different divisions and the different programs and learn an awful lot more about those. You know, we've got a a guy here doing this full time now. George, who almost exclusively follows the SEC into huge detail every week. this Alabama program from top to bottom is phenomenal. And it all starts with Nick Saban at the top, but there's a reason that he can recycle different offensive coordinators, different defensive coordinators every single year, and they can then go off and get other jobs. It's because what he does is he doesn't just hire his mates. 
And you see a lot of coaches, they just go out and they hire their mates. They hire guys they've worked with before, hire guys who they're comfortable with in the building. Nick Saban doesn't do that. And the reason I think he doesn't do that is because he knows he's constantly trying to get better. Nick Saban knows he isn't the best version of himself yet. He's going to, there's constant trying to get better, trying to implement different things. But what he does is he takes these talented coaches and he says to them, you've got to come in and you've got to work the Alabama way. And that is that you own up to your mistakes. You don't make them. You, you prepare well enough that you cover every single possibility. If you possibly can, you get train these guys to be really, really disciplined on the field. You know, there's a reason that this Alabama team's so good. You know, the wide receivers just don't drop catches because they probably spend hours on the jugs machine, hours working with their quarterbacks to get, get the technical skills right. They don't make stupid errors in the game because they understand the game so well, but it, it all starts at the top and no one else in college football is doing it. There's a lot, a lot gets made about how Alabama recruit and they do recruit really, really well. Nick Saban, probably the best recruiter of all time really good at hiring coaches who are good recruiters, really good as a recruiter himself. That program has built itself up, the football program, to be the best offering in the country by a long way, year after year after year. But there are programs that recruit at a similar level to Alabama. When you look at programs like Georgia, um, even Clemson, Clemson's a little bit lower, but they're, they're still pretty close in terms of the amount of five-star recruits that they're getting to come in. Other teams in the SEC, Florida, are usually up there pretty good. You know, even FSU are still still recruiting, despite how bad they've been in recent years, at a pretty high level. USC, again, it's getting back up to that high level. Michigan, recruited at a really high level. Ohio State, recruited at a really high level the last few years. And none of these teams have been able to get close because what Alabama does is it marries that really good recruiting with actually coaching and developing players. And I think the number one example of this that I've seen is Rashawn Gary came out of New Jersey, was the number one player in the nation coming out of New Jersey, ranked by 24 seven sports, went to Michigan, had all the talent in the world. Was, he's a physical freak. Didn't really have a, an awful lot of technical ability, lacked some of the nous of the game. He went, he came out of Michigan worse than he went in. And then he was drafted very early by the Packers. And it's only now in sort of year two, year three, that he's really showing out to be this phenomenal player because that development that usually gets done in college hasn't happened and it's had to happen at the next level. At Alabama, no one comes out of Alabama like that. No one goes to Alabama and gets worse or stays the same. Every single player that goes into that program gets better by being at that program. And that's a phenomenal achievement. And the sooner that college football, the rest of college football understands that you need great coaching to be really good, the sooner things will start to get a bit more parity. Because I could tell you, there are guys out there that coaches almost as well as, as Nick Saban does at Alabama. You look at someone like Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, who has taken these guys that are less heralded Ohio recruits, guys from around that area of the country and has turned them into the team that's going to probably be ranked sort of fifth or sixth in the nation, hopefully coming into next season. And that's all great coaching. He just, obviously they don't have the recruiting power that someone like Alabama has, but 
no program marries the two together. And until a program marries the two together, I can't help but think that Alabama's going to be winning a national championship every other year or even more frequently because no one can compete at the minute. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You, um, I've had the benefit of listening to a lot of Nick Saban's press conferences this year, and he, he bangs that same drum all the time because... He effectively puts the responsibility back onto the players. I mean, the responsibility is there with the coaching staff, no doubt about that, but he puts it back onto them. And you hear him talk about what he wants is for her, his players to come out with the, you know, the, the, the best for them, the, the best brand that they can have, what's, what's in it for them. And he sells it to them on that, which is if you buy into this process, which is, you know, the, the well, much vaunted process that, that they've got at, um, at Tuscaloosa. Um, you'll come out a better person, you'll, you'll come out a better footballer, um, and if your desire is to go and play pro football, um, you'll get the opportunity to to do that. And he's, he's, he, he, he preached that for, there's countless books about this, but um, he's preached that for a long time, but it, but it's noticeable when he talks now, and he pushes that responsibility back onto the, the players, and I, I, no more has it been visible this year in Alabama than this year, where particularly with the 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 the, the protocols around COVID-19, the, the, the players have been tasked with responsibilities. The players were sent home twice. The players went went home at Thanksgiving, went home at Christmas time, um, and uh, and there were no issues. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's um, it's been great to see um, a, how things have have, have matured this this season at Alabama. And we'll go and talk about the defence in, in, in a second because that's the bit that has fascinated me more than anything else. When you look at that team, uh, that defence which faced up against uh, the Ole Miss Rebels um, and that, that, that defence that faced up last night, um, what, a, what a maturity has taken place. But, but without doubt, the number one story amongst many stories last night um, was the, the first half of Devonta Smith who broke all sorts of records um, uh, and only really played uh, the first the, the, the first half. Ollie, what did you, um, what did you make of um, Smith, who's just had an exceptional season? The the hilarity of um, of what you just said, basically the 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 production with missing the majority of the second half with a um, with an injury. If you were to look at the the box, I saw someone tweet this earlier, and I, I just. I want to steal it because I, it was just perfect as a reflection of how people approach the game of football. If you woke up this morning and you looked at the box score of Alabama versus Ohio State and you looked at Devontae Smith's game, it's incredible. Like It's incredible as it is. 
Do you tell that person that Devontae Smith missed most of the second half? That it's just it's it's mind blowing, and you know the. They, they can just do whatever they want at the Alabama offense while they've got players like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. And, and Devontae Smith's been such an incredible story this season because of how he has he's stepped up and he's dominated the college football landscape in relief of Jalen Waddell in so many respects. You know, Waddell was, was the guy this season and he started off as the guy. And then when Jalen Waddell went down, it was... Can Devontae Smith step up? And has Devontae Smith stepped up? Bloody hell, has he? He's been just just incredible to watch. And we'll, we might talk about Sean Wade in a little while. But what a thankless task for any cornerback, any safety. I mean, tough ball and there's a linebacker, Christ, having to cover Devontae Smith. Just what a thankless task it is trying to cover that guy. And... He, he's, he's almost now you look at us. He's a lock for the third pick with Miami, who who have Houston's uh, pick in the NFL draft. He, he's almost a lock there to reunite him with Tua Tungavailoa if he's still the quarterback at Miami. But that's a, that's a different conversation for a whole different day and a whole different fan base. Um, but he's just he's just been an incredible story and. There's no denying that as a as a Heisman winner, the first Heisman winner since 1991, he he's up there as one of the greatest wide receivers. Or this season has been one of the greatest seasons by a wide receiver of of possibly all time. And you you look back through the the great stories of college football wide receivers. You look at the monsters like Calvin Johnson and and players like that. And Devontae Smith, the the slim reaper belongs in the annals of the greatest wide receivers to to have played the college football game, for sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, in terms of just numbers, this is the greatest wide receiver season of all time in college football. Just like Joe Burrow's season last year was the, the greatest quarterback season we've ever seen in college football, the modern college football history, you know, this is the greatest season we've seen from a wide receiver this is the kid who's just gone out for 13 straight games has dominated his opponents whether they're going to be a future top five pick at corner opposite him or whether they are never going to play football past the college football level he just goes out and does the same things every single week his release is outstanding his route running is incredible his catchability is phenomenal his body control is outstanding. And you're, you're going to hear an awful lot over the next few months of where people say uh, Devonta Smith is not a good athlete because Devonta Smith isn't going to run under 4-4 if the NFL scouting combine, if the 40 times take place. That is utter bollocks. There is far more to athleticism than just speed. And the agility and body control of someone like Devonta Smith, the strength for his size as well in there they are incredible athletic attributes he is a phenomenal athlete and that is no knock on this kid he is just incredible he's the best wide receiver i've ever watched on tape in the college in college football yeah the athletic thing alex mentioned there about the combine and there is so much uncertainty about that um if, if testing numbers then are then taken by college football pro days, and we know how accurate those are, Jalen Waddle's probably going to run a three something, and 
Devontae Smith is probably going to run a sub 4.140. Uh, it, it's what I would guess at the Alabama Pro Day. But anyway, let's let's move let's move on. let's move away from getting deep into the conversations of what happens with the NFL draft. Let's get back to focusing on this game. Well, you, you know, I get very annoyed when um, it gets round to combine time because uh, we get far too uh, fixated on. Uh, uh, what speed uh, we're going to run? We, we've done that to death, but when you just look at that catch that he made against LSU, and and as we as we've talked about, um, and we'll continue to talk about those numbers he threw up last night were, were, in, were in one half. Um, you know, he broke all sorts of records uh, last night for for playing in a title game, and he only played in the first uh, the first thirty minutes, give or take. Uh, which uh, which shows, and, and you know, I, I I don't think Sean Wade has had a good season, and I think it's very easy to pillar him, and and, and Twitter should never be the benchmark and to, as to what public opinion suggests. But um, he was getting a hard time last night, but but I'm not sure anyone could have covered Devonta Smith last night. To be to be perfectly honest, um, let's move on to the, the defenses because uh, that seems like an appropriate segue um, to to move across. Uh, Ohio State were missing. Um, some key players from the side, and we didn't actually know it right until the, the point that um, the players came out. But as I said earlier, what has been, as, as an Alabama fan, what has been uh, particularly uh, pleasing for me is to see how the defense has has, um, has evolved over the pace uh, over the, the space of the season. And they to, to, to lose so many, we talked about LSU, to lose so many of their starting. A secondary um, to the to the NFL last year meant that we were starting with a really young bunch of uh, players in the in the secondary, and I, I guess what what was really immensely pleasing for me last night was that, that Jordan Battle left the left the the, the 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 game early and never really seemed to miss him. To be perfectly honest, the, the, the younger guys um, uh, stepped stepped into that, and a player who I've had a lot of criticism for. Um, because I think sometimes he's he's a little bit rash and a little bit immature. Josh Jobin, um, uh, he, he stepped up a, 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 along with others. I'm Patrick Sertain, who we know is um, is an incredible player and another first round uh, draft pick. Um, really kind of led led them uh, through that. And, and I thought um, the Alabama defense just kept anything that the Iowa um, State Buckeyes had uh, quiet. They, they were very unfortunate to lose Trey Sermon. So. Um, so early because I was really looking forward to that matchup, Ollie. Yeah, I mean Trey Sermon. I described Trey Sermon before the game as the most informed player in college football, which is saying something when you know you're on a field with Devonte Smith and my man Najee Harris. Um, but yeah, to lose to lose Trey Sermon early was a blow for Ohio State. Um, but Master Teague, let's not forget, as I said last night, Master Teague has had phenomenal performances in this game as well. We we I, I had the call on Ohio State Indiana for college football live, and, and Master Teague went off in that game. So yes, Trey Sermon was um, a loss to the Ohio State offense, but the defense of Alabama, and I think you you said earlier, George, you used the word maturity or maturation, and, and that is the key thing. And you look at the off the defense that got absolutely pummeled by Matt Corral and Elijah Moore on the first weekend of the SEC season, and it was not even remotely the same unit, but it got you know the same um, young set of players who stepped up. In, on, into the occasion and you mentioned Patrick Sertain and you mentioned Josh Job and 
Um, there's a lot of freshmen on that team that play is amazing. But if I'm looking to pinpoint a guy that epitomizes the development of the Alabama defense through 2020 is Christian Barmore. Um, a guy who has taken his lumps this season as a as a so much was expected of him at the start of the season, despite him coming off of an injury. Um, there's been a I don't know an illusion or a, a misnomer that Christian Barmore has had a terrible season, but you look at how he has played in the the most recent of games and all the way up to last night where he was an absolute beast. There wasn't a there wasn't enough a defensive play that that stymied Ohio State quite like one that that involved Christian Barmore, and he was just he was just phenomenal. And he's still a young kid, you know. We're, we're talking about a young defense, and Barmore is a draft, a draft eligible player, but he's still a young kid, and just all around fantastic performance by the Alabama. Tiredness is coming in again. Alabama, I get that. The Alabama defense, and uh, yeah, just just like I said uh, in the first um, sentences of, of this show, just a joy to behold all around from Alabama, and, and that includes on defense, which which is probably something we weren't expecting, especially against some of the talent that, that Ohio State has on its offense. I, I found uh, I found what was uh, quite. Impressive from from our perspective, or sort of Alabama's perspective, was the the ability to put pressure on to um, Justin Fields because uh, I I was just totally taken back by Justin Fields' um, performance in the in the Sugar Bowl. I, I thought that was that was one of the best performances by a quarterback I'd seen um, uh, that season, and not just because it was against the, uh, the the Tigers, right? But but I I thought he was just mightily impressive, and I and I, and I thought well, if you give him time. Uh, he's going to throw the ball all over the place, and he did. He did throw the ball. He, he did get the ball out quite quickly, but he didn't have anywhere near the game that he had. I, I think some of that is because he possibly peaked uh, in the in the Sugar Bowl. But 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 equally, um, for a team that's not known for its um, its pass rush, its pass rush uh, or its edge rush, uh, Alabama put a lot of pressure on, um, and uh, Christian Bar- Barmore had a great game. Um, I, I've left the next segment a segment almost. The number of grammatical errors that have appeared in this pod. I mean, we've been very professional up until this point. It's all gone to peace. Um, I've left the next section all, almost completely to, to Alex because um, it, it feels like handing the baton over. But um, the, the offense has been, as we've said, has been incredible to watch this season and the development of players, not just the players, not just Devonta Smith, but others who have come into, you know, watched. Um, John Mechie and Brian Robinson and others um, get get shares of the ball um, as as players didn't um, didn't come out for the second half. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian is taking all the credit for that, and and I think that that that's rightly so. Alabama have had a, a, a succession and a parade of offensive coordinators um, over the years, but Sark has made uh, quite a difference, and he's now moving on to to Texas, as we talked about last week with Matt Miller, um, Alex. The uh, Alabama offense under Steve Sarkeesian is pretty impressive, isn't it? It certainly is. You know, I just I love the blend of NFL concepts, college concepts, high school concepts into one offense that can almost go anywhere. But it's just so adaptable depending on who they're playing. You know, a lot is made. With Ohio State, Ohio State has their defense 
that they play and they rely on their talent level on defense being better than the opponent's talent level on offense. You know, they rely on being able to outplay you with their defense. They don't change their defense depending on who they play. I know it sounds fucking mad to me as well. Um, and I'm going to go in on that in a minute. Don't you worry. But Steve Sarkeesian obviously has spent a little bit of time between the semifinal and the game today, interviewing at Texas. And I wonder if his game plan for this game wasn't his interview. Yeah, I, I, that that is what I imagine he went with in his interview, because as ter- in terms of how the game plan goes, it was perfect. He picked out every single area to attack Ohio State perfectly on their defense. They didn't have anyone that could cover Devonta Smith. Everyone knew that coming into this game. So you use him, you target him at all those times in the first half. You get- it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Even 12 receptions in the first half. And that you're going to turn the game because you know they haven't got anyone that can live with him. And that's going to win you the game. And then you've got you've got a guy like Najee Harris who just hasn't been beaten by anyone all year. Hasn't been stopped all year, these two guys. And he just maximises their talent level. He maximises them in his offence. He gets them open. He's constantly moving Devonta Smith around. For me, I'm, I'm really excited about the offence that he brings to Austin. Now, it's not a quick fix in Austin. And he needs to be given time. He needs to be a, a guy that is allowed to build his Texas, is allowed to build Texas in his image. And that's going to be super important, a school that doesn't really allow you to do that. But what I think uh, Steve Sarkeesian has over guys like Tom Herman and uh, previous coaches that have come in at Texas, he is coming in as the second hottest coaching name in the sport behind Nick Saban. If you if you had to power rank guys in college football right now on the level of how they're thought of as coaches, you've got Nick Saban up there, you've got Steve Sarkeesian up there, you've probably got Luke Fickle, Pat Fitzgerald, and you would you'd probably put Ryan Day in there because of that semi-final performance. You know, in terms of the 2020 season, where they are right now. You know, Dabo, Brian Kelly are both up there uh, in terms of the jobs they did this year for their teams. But you've got one of the premier guys coming in, probably the premier candidate for a power five job, considering that Luke Fickle wasn't moving on from Cincinnati because half his team's coming back. 
you know, Matt Campbell, I know he's already at a power five job at Iowa state, but moving on to a bigger power five job, all of his guys are coming back there. So for once, I'm really pleased because Texas has gone out and they've hired the best guy out there. And that's not something we have been able to say as a program in, in a while. And the fact he's bringing this incredible offense with him should mean that Texas football is exciting, even if they're not particularly good at times next year. I think they could. They have all the tools to be very, very good next year. I don't think they're going to be national title contenders. I just want them to be in Big 12 championship game contention next year. It's going to be the first year with Casey Thompson being given the keys under centre. You know, it's the first year for Sark as well. They're not his guys. There's, there's going to be a lot of pressure put on this Texas team coming into 2021, given the success that Sarkeesian has had over the course of this season and last season with this Alabama team. I think we need to dial it back a little bit because Oklahoma is still going to be good. Iowa State is still going to be good because they're both returning an awful lot of their starters. But I feel like for once, Texas has a coach that can compete with Lincoln Riley, that can compete with Matt Campbell. And that's not something I've been able to say since they last won the national championship. I am, for what this is worth, and um, I'm no expert, but there's going to be a lot of coaching changes, uh, both in college and NFL. I mean, we'll see a bit of um, mixing between the, the both, but but I but I think in 2021, this is going to be the coaching hire of the of the year, both NFL and uh, and, and in college, because I think um, it's not only the quality of the coach, it's the size of the job. The, 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 there are very few bigger jobs in the US than the the, the, the head uh, football coach job in Austin. Uh, I, I, I include all the NFL franchises in that, to be perfectly honest. So uh, I think it's going to be quite interesting. Well, while we're talking about the the offense, Ollie. You talked about your guy, Najee Harris. Um, he's been overshadowed a lot this year. Um, you know my thoughts on the Heisman voting. Um, but again, you watched his worth to that team last night and where it looks as if Najee's going to be tackled for a loss, Najee ends up actually gaining five yards. Um, he's got quite an incredible style of play about him I think any NFL team that's getting him will be will be rubbing their hands at the prospect of getting Najee Harris Let's um, let's not use the word overshadow because Najee Harris has not been overshadowed in this household um, because for me as I will repeatedly say and I will go and die on this hill of Najee Harris has been the best player in college football this year and we talk about box scores Box scores aren't going to reflect how valuable Najee Harris was to Alabama last night. It's 79 yards, um, two, but with two touchdowns. Um, but he's a guy that um, is so... He's, he's not just a power guy. And this is the thing. There's, a, con, there's a, a misconception with Najee Harris that he's a big brute like Derek Henry, who just is just a power guy. And he can be that power guy. Let's, let's not get carried away. Fourth and one yesterday... My variable of we jokes. My variable of the Tennessee Titans is probably punting on the fourth and fourth and goal at the one yard line. Um, but a, a lot of coaches would have taken a field goal there. But you, you put the ball in Najee Harris's hand, and he can be a bulldozer. But he's so much more. He's, he's 
nimble of thought. He's he's got all the tricks in the bag that that you that blow you away when you're looking at a player. The spin moves, the hurdle, the stiff arm. He's got it. He's, he's everything in that repertoire of his. He is he is a complete football player as far as I'm concerned, and he, he can grind it out. You fall forward and gain those yards. So just everything that you will look at as a as a, a college football running back or an NFL draft prospect, whatever you want to you want to call uh, a player, Najee Harris is, is complete as far as I'm concerned. And we we talked about the Heisman and fifth in the Heisman voting is an absolute travesty. And uh, Devontae Smith, I think, is a um, you can view him as a deserved Heisman winner because he has been that good as we've alluded to, but. You look at Derek Henry's Heisman winning season and Najee Harris had 38 touchdowns this year to um, Derek Henry's 28 touchdowns as a Heisman winning running back. And to, to say that he, he didn't even make the final of that award is is a joke as far as I'm concerned. And it's a, it's a joke up there with the College Football Playoff Committee, but that, that's a conversation for another day. Um, he's, he's just incredible. And whoever, as you alluded to, whoever gets him in the NFL draft and Running backs have got so little value in the NFL these days, but if Najee Harris isn't a, a late first round, early second round guy, something has gone terribly wrong in the whole um, process of uh, the NFL team's evaluations of him because he's, he's going to be a, an absolute stud in the league. And he's, like I say, for me, he's been the best player in college football. He's been the most complete player in college football this season. I mean, I, I think that he, he goes higher than people think. Yeah, he should. What I will say is, with with the classes that have come out the last few years, you've had good but not great running backs, and there's been a fair few of them. You know, you've had five or six good backs at the top of the late first, early second round kind of thing. Najee Harris is running back one by a distance. So I think when you, when you look around at the other running backs in this class, I don't think there is anyone on the level of Najee Harris especially with the way he's shown out this year. Travis Etienne is still like running back one for some people. And I kind of think, what have you been watching this year? Because Travis Etienne hasn't been that impressive in 2020. If Travis Etienne had opted out and I was using just my 2019 evaluation, then I would have the two of them very, very close. But I've seen stuff on film this year from Travis Etienne that has really shocked me because he has not looked like the same player. I think Najee Harris is going to go higher than people think. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Dolphins go in at 18 and pick him up, especially if they decide to go offensive tackle or uh, if they decide not to go with Devonta Smith at number three overall or they trade back or whatever happens with their number three overall pick. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him go at 18 to Miami if he doesn't go there, then 24, if the, uh, Pittsburgh at 24, I think is where they're going to pick. You know, that's another team that I think could easily dip in. You know, if they don't go quarterback with their pick, if they, if they address that need with a vet this off season, you know, you've got a great phenomenal defense there in Pittsburgh. The offensive line's creaking a little bit, but why not go and get running back one if he's available at, at pick 24? Um, in this upcoming draft, I, I love Najee Harris. I think he he's in pen, written in pen as running back one, and my top fives will be coming out very soon. But you know, for me, he is there right now as as the best running back in this class. Right. Wow. Uh, what? Sorry, George. 
No, I, I was going to say, Ollie, was that uh, I like the comparison with Derek Henry insofar as they're, they're not comparable players, but you know, Najee Harris is, has blown away Derek Henry's records in the SEC and uh, Alabama, and the two very different um, uh, operators at, at, at running back. And, and I go back to that point that if you're an NFL scout looking at a running back who looks as if he's going to be tackled for a loss, but then because of his ingenuity and his inventiveness and, and his sheer determination, he, he gains you five years, uh, five yards. That's um. That's quite um, a, quite a, a game changer for you, and and I think you look at, you know, certainly in his first season, how Josh Jacobs got on um, at, the, at the Raiders, um, because he, um, you know, he, as we know, he had a fantastic last season at, at Alabama, was not highly rated uh, coming through um, the the grading system, and shows you what what can be done um, with a running back who's who's can come through the um, the, the Alabama process. Yeah, and that's what I was going to talk about, about the Alabama process, was they have such a, um, a tendency to rotate running backs. And um, Najee Harris, I, I wrote a piece at the start of the 2019 season with, about Najee Harris, where the title was Emerging from the Shadows. And there's been such a production line of NFL-caliber running backs from um, Alabama. You, you mentioned Josh Jacobs, who essentially for a lot of his career, was almost a backup at Alabama. And Jim Nagy spoke about um, Josh Jacobs in real glowing terms, in terms of how you scout the player and not the depth chart, because this is this has been it with Najee Harris. He's been part of a rotation, but as soon as he have featured him as the lead back in that offense, he has shown what he is and what he can be and what value he brings to a, a college football team and what value he will bring to an NFL team. And he's just... Well, we, we could talk all night about Najee Harris, but to be honest, I want some tea at some point. Well, I, it feels as if we're sliding towards the, the draft chat, and, and I'm just going to hold it off for one second um, because I think it's only right that we we, we look at, we talked a little bit about this before we came on, um, Nick Saban's legacy now with seven national titles, um, six with Alabama, one with uh, uh, the other guys. Um, he's... Um, He's he's now uh, beaten um, Bear Bryant's uh, national championship record, um, and I read this very good book, which is um, Chasing the Bear, um, which is all about that. Um, it talks about um, Saban's uh, chase for um, uh, Bear Bryant's records. I guess my question to both of you guys is: He looked a very fresh-faced, um, nearly seventy-year-old last night. I have to say, he hasn't always looked fresh-faced throughout the season, but he's had his you know his issues with the, with the virus as well as other things. How long do you think next season goes on for? Oh man, it's it's such a an open question because at the minute Alabama is five titles behind Princeton in terms of all time college football national championships. Bama now has twenty three, Yale has twenty seven, Princeton has twenty eight. Okay, so you know when you when you also take out Princeton and Yale haven't won a national championship in decades. Yeah, Bama are there, but if Saban coaches seven more years, eight more years, could he get them level? With the way they're going at the minute, I'm not going to say no. You know, Alabama were the last team to go back to back, back in 2011, 2012. You know, it's going to, there's a lot's going to have to happen for me to go into next year 
without Alabama, not as my favourite to win the national championship, even breaking in a new quarterback, even you know losing their offensive coordinator, even losing a Heisman winning wide receiver, a high, should have been second place in the Heisman running back, a uh, Joe Moore winning award winning offensive line. You know, even then, I, I feel like they've got the guys to you know just roll it over and come back as one of the top teams in 2021. And if if Saban can pick up and keep winning and keep winning and keep winning, as long as his health stays there, I think he just keeps going. Because it's, uh, the things that tire out coaches are when things just... The, the worst thing when you're coaching is when you put all the effort in, you do all the preparation and things just don't go your way. And it's something you have to learn because sometimes you just get beaten. It happens. You can put in the work. You put in all the preparation. Sometimes it happens. It has happened to Alabama. Yeah, it happened in 2018, quite famously in in that game. But I feel like as long as Nick Saban can win a national title, at least one every three years, you know, another five years of coaching, another, I'd, I'd hasten to say ten. Because at that point he gets to being almost eighty years old, and then it's then you're really going to start to struggle on the recruiting front and really putting the hours in that you need to put in. But he doesn't look like a seventy year old bloke. You know, he looks in his early sixties, the oldest right now. You know, he looks incredibly young for his age. So it's all about how he feels, and and we we don't know that. But I think as long as they're winning. I can't really see him sort of stepping away in the next five years. Yeah, we um, we use the word legacy, and his legacy is, is clearly the success of this Alabama football program. The number of national champion championships he's won. He could walk away now as uh, as arguably the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, but you look at um, we mentioned recruiting. Um, earlier earlier on and something that's been quite prominent um, in the in the last um, the few hours since the national championship game finishes people talking about Alabama's recruiting classes and is this class that's coming to fruition now better than previous classes the fact of the matter is they have succession after succession after succession of fantastic classes and Nick Saban is part of the team that helps develop as Alex talked about has helped develop those raw, um, highly rated recruits into fantastic football players. And they've got another fantastic crop of players coming through now. We talked about the quarterback situation. Bryce Young is going to come in and lead that football team. And let's not forget, there was talk of Bryce Young leading this football team this year. And look at what Mac Jones has done this year and and what how he's elevated himself as as a, one of the best college football quarterbacks in the game this year, setting record, set a, champ, a national championship record yet last night at yardage. You know, he was a guy who might have not even started over Bryce Young at the start of the season. It's only his familiarity with the program in such a disrupted season that has given him the genuine foothold in that starting position at the start of this season. So you've got a kid who is extremely talented coming into this football programme with guys who are already played a season at a high level in guys like um, John Mechie, 
the wide receiver. You know, you're going to lose to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, but you're going to have John Mechie and um, Billingsley, the tight end. He's a, a young kid. There's, there's going to be that talent at Alabama, regardless of what they lose this year. It's going to be year after year. And if you're Nick Saban, you're a part of that talent factory. You're responsible for recruiting that talent factory, along with you know the other coaches that are there. You're responsible for developing that. You're not stepping away from that while you can see the future looking golden ahead of you as well. Um, it, it, it is a talent factory, right? Because of the way they recruit and because of the way that they they bring players through. But you made a very valid point there, Ollie. You think that they had they had Tua and Jalen Hurts um, and Matt Jones all on the books at the same time. Now, not to put the boot into other programs, but you look at the mess that Georgia has found itself in this year. Not not necessarily through anything that that Georgia have done themselves, but you, we thought that that, that Georgia uh, quarterback room was the strongest in college football. We said that right at the start, and look how it's ended up. What what they man what they've managed to do is they've managed to keep those players in their places, and uh, th- this was touched a lot upon in the commentary booth last night, where they don't necessarily have the kind of diva esque type of player that's looking. I mean, as I said right at the outset, um, Nick Saban talks about a player's individual brands and how they. You, you know how they drive them through it's, it's for the value that the player gets out of it clearly that is to the benefit of the team without having individual players who take the shine away but yet through their just their, their sheer play and the way they do it they, they get that Devonta Smith's a really good example of that so I, I, I think um, there's a lot to be uh, just to, to, to round that up I think there's a lot to be um, optimistic for if you're an Alabama fan it, it, not with the the the, the the, the the thought that that almost that entire defense is coming back um, for next year, but um, I'll leave that to other teams to have nightmares over. Uh, let's um, two things before we we, we wrap up. Um, we're going to touch on the let's let's do the draft first. Um, we we always at this time of year turn our attention to the draft. Um, uh, two out of the three uh, on this podcast live and breathe for the draft process. Um, uh, and uh, guys, you, you must be looking forward to it. Uh, Ollie, you touched on the fact that you're going to be working professionally um, and getting paid um, for the, the, um, uh, this process this year. Uh, but guys, you must be very excited for this year's draft. Uh, I, I think whoever wants to start, Ollie, you kick off. I think I think Alex touched on it. I never mentioned anything about me being a professional. That was all Alex. He's my, uh, he's my cheerleader. He's my hard man. Um, it's just going to be an, an incredibly interesting process and I think we're seeing that today well we've been seeing it for a number of weeks but you look at guys like Darian Kendrick from Clemson who has gone back to school um, and obviously he's gone back to school today there's, a, there's so much um, uncertainty again in a different way to what we had last year you know this time last year who could have foreseen what the disruption of the 2020 NFL draft process would look like you know, the combine was coming up, senior ball was coming up, there's a whole plethora of all-star games to look forward to. Well, we're not going to have all that this season, so it's a very different process for a number of, of reasons, and the NFL combine is a huge part of the process that we, we're just not sure we're going to get this year, but um, plenty to look forward to, and, and, and as a result of a fantastic college football season, and some guys really elevating their, their NFL draft stock, and lots of 
questions about prospects like Kyle Trask. A guy last night that, that played exceptionally well, who I think we were, were going to see fly up boards, was um, at Ohio State, didn't have a great night, but tight end Jeremy Ruckett, um, who, when you go back and, uh, and look at him, has actually had a phenomenal rate of production whilst not being used very well or very often at, at Ohio State. A guy who's got one touchdown for every three receptions, which for me is insane. And then you look at what he brings in the, uh, the blocking game as well. So I'm looking forward to the whole process. I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, been very fortunate that the start of my new career comes in line with the senior bowl. And I'm going to get a, spend a bit of time around the, the senior bowl this year. So um yeah, very much looking forward to it. And we know how pivotal that is. And what a great lineup they've got at the Senior Bowl this year as well. They've been able to really take advantage of, um, A, the standing that the event has. And you look at the success of this, um, the San Francisco 49ers, who went from Mobile to Miami and from being one of the worst teams in the NFL to last year's Super Bowl. It really shows the value of that, that event. And there's not all that many all-star events this, this year either. So that is a real... If, you're, if you've got your name on an invite there, you're accepting that invite for sure uh, this season. Uh, it's plenty, plenty to look forward to, and, and, uh, and we're going to be covering it plentifully on this podcast over the next couple of months. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get into this little microcosm that we have of draft season. And... Yeah, it's where for me all my sort of writing and uh, loves come together because I love the NFL as well. You know, a podcast about the NFL, podcast about college football, writing I don't do as much of. Um, I haven't done as much of recently because I'm gearing up for for a new project. But you know, I love the merging of the two. I love getting angry at people who don't watch college football all year and their takes on these players, which. You know, I know none of the people listening to this podcast are going to have because you've been you've joined us all year and you've watched the games to go along with it. So, you know, you're probably going to get just as angry as I am, which is, you know, it's a lovely thing. It really is. It's just passion because some of these guys, I'm, you know, I, I love watching them at, at college and I want to see them succeed. And for me, if I've if I've had or derived really great pleasure from watching a guy play on a Saturday, to see him them drafted, to see his dreams come true and then make it as a professional player. That, to me, is one of the... Even as a fan, is a phenomenal feeling. And, you know, I've, you feel a connection to some of these guys. Even though I've, I've never met them, I probably never will meet them. All they do is bring me joy by allowing me to watch them, or in the case of some of the Texas players, anger me to fuck. And whilst I watch them play on a Saturday, but... And I love it. I'd love, I'd love to see it. Seeing Joseph Asai get drafted in, in April when he's, when he's drafted is going to be incredible. You know, we spoke again, for me, someone like Sam Ellinger, the legacy he's had at Texas, if he gets drafted in April, it'll be a great feeling when he gets drafted. And I know George is the same for, for these Ohio State guys, for, sorry, for these Alabama guys. Um, I know Ollie is the same if uh, a Boston College player actually gets drafted and <laughs> oh no, I love I love Boston College players. How's, how's AJ Dillon working out for you over there in Green Bay? Just out of interest, if we're going to go around besmirching Boston College players, oh, I couldn't. I can't help myself, Bobby. I just oh, yes. can't help myself. Um, Unbelievable. But yeah, it's my favourite time of the year, and I I can't wait to get dug in. 
I've been digging into tape for for a little while now, and I'm I'm really liking some of what I'm seeing in this class. There's some phenomenal positions that are absolutely stacked, and I can't wait to butcher some names over the next few months. Ollie's getting crouchy because it's tea time, and um, we need some 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 food. Um, before we go, guys, because um, that that rounds up the 2020 season, and. And we've, as we've talked about many times, we've really had to kind of rub our eyes a little bit in terms of what what we've been doing over the last, well, nearly twelve months, but certainly over the last uh, season. When I look back at the number of guests we've had, it has been mind-boggling. Um, just to finish up, um, who, what was your, what was your, what was your favourite um, episode or, or favourite uh, episodes that 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 you you enjoyed? Um, last season oh man it's it's really tough because we had some phenomenal guests on over the over the season or take it all the way back really to to the spring when we were locked down here in the in the UK and just guys guys who I've now almost developed a friendship with over the internet guys like Thor Nystrom and who's a really really lovely bloke who I now DM chat prospects with, chat about life with, away even away from college football. So from that side of things, it's just been awesome to have those kind of guests on. Um, but for me, no one really tops the pod that we had with Tom Rinaldi. I think as a as a guy who has sat and watched and cried and sat stood in the middle of Jackson Square in in New Orleans and cried at college game day video presentations on prospects, on players, on traditions, to be able to speak to him during his final run on college game day before he moved on to to Fox. And it was great to see him on, on the Fox broadcast of the NFL playoffs this weekend. For me, that was one of my favourite achievements of the year. Just a great dude, really, really lovely bloke phenomenal storyteller and just one of the best hours I've had recording this podcast well you went and stole my thunder quite <laughs> catastrophically there <laughs> thank you Alex it, it, it is so hard when you look back at all the, the guests that we've had and we've had the guests are, that are incredible for so many different reasons like Alex alluded to you know Guys like Mello and Connor Rogers that we built up a great rapport and relationship with Matt Miller coming on for the when we spent so long liaising with him, let's put it to, to have him on the pod. And uh, but Tom Rinaldi is just it's just a guy that just it just captures and encaptures everything uh, that is fa- fantastic about college football. And, and I think George in his, his, descri- his opening description of that podcast was was something along the lines of he's a guy who can make you laugh and cry almost um, simultaneously. And that was exactly what it was like talking to him, you know. And, and it was even before the, the podcast, and we had the, whatever time we had with him, I can't remember, we probably spent half of that without even recording, talking about Andy Murray and... How rubbish Scotland is! Oh no, it might not have been. It might not have been how rubbish Scotland is. But you know, it's there. There, that was just just insane. And then for him to to reel off a list of stories that, uh, again, that half an hour that we had with him as a podcast summed up 
his entire broadcasting career because we were laughing about one thing and then we were I was nearly crying out the red bandana story and the the, the Iowa clap and it, it was just everything in half an hour that it was just incredible and and it was quite surreal I suppose in many respects as this college football season comes to a, an end and so does the NFL season to see Tom Rinaldi on the sideline for Fox during Saturday evenings broadcast of some of the NFL wildcard round it was just very surreal and and what has been the surrealest of years it has been a very surreal year and I, and I think when you look back you're right the, the, when, we, when we finished that pod with Tom Rinaldi when we sat there afterwards and we just looked at each other blankly without saying anything we couldn't quite believe it um, but there have been so many others um, um, I'm, not, I'm not going to touch on uh, all of them but um, if you haven't listened to uh, the, the podcast that, that we knocked out um, from March um, of uh, of last year, please do um, I go back and uh, listen to them and um, uh, subscribe, rate, and review if you wouldn't mind. To be to be honest, um, that's all from us on our post national championship pod. Uh, as we've said already, we'll continue uh, through the post season into draft season. And into some into summer training camps um, as we roll around for the 2021 season, which I cannot wait for. Um, however, if you can't wait, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter account is at College Chat, so please give us a follow. A, a massive thanks to Alex and Ollie for their brilliant input all season long. Um, really appreciated. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and well, and catch you all next time.